beautiful. I love it. Okay. So dog farts uh, <laughs> and catch-ups. That is the order of the day. Okay. Uh, so, so this episode, episode 22, is that where we're on? Yes. And there's 24, 24 total episodes? Correct. So we are coming down to the last stretch. So could you say this is the pen pen ultimate episode? <laughs> you could say that, but would you want to say that? I think is the better question. <laughs> I, I just came up with that now. I'm, I'm way oh too proud God, about that. That's so good. <laughs> you did your work this week. Ben. You earned your face. All right. I'm gone. Yeah. Ben's out. He's done. <laughs> this, this episode Hi, has Tanya. already peaked. So we might as well stop. <laughs> Uh, and we're missing Brian because he is doing something cool. He is like taking time. Well, uh, Brian and I are contractually obligated to never be on the same episode together. So yeah. 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 After what happened the last time. <laughs> yeah. Don't go back and look up that, that last episode that Tanya's on. It's uh, Welcome, everyone, to Pen Pen Pals. This is episode 22 of our Carling uh, coverage of Darling and the Franks. Uh, I'm Alex. I'm Ben. And we have no Brian, but we have uh, a guest who's exuberant and full of energy and criticism. Uh, please welcome Tanya. Hi, I love that like we were immediately like this bitch criticizes a lot of stuff. <laughs> we're level setting for the beginning of the episode, just so you know. Well, yeah, you know, this could be someone's first anime, it could be someone's first podcast, it could be someone's first interaction with Tanya. And I just want it to go well. I want expectations to be good. Yeah. Just put those expectations on the floor. Absolutely. So we had you on for episode four. It is now episode 22. What have you been up to? I have been up to staying holed up in my apartment because hashtag pandemic. Right. So right. it's back, everyone. It never really <laughs> left. Yeah, it didn't go away. But, um... It's the new trend sweeping the nation, Omicron. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it hasn't it hasn't been an eventful. Oh, but you have filled in uh, part of a tattoo, correct? Yeah. So I got the upper part of my sleeve done, um, both outline and color. The color just happened like this week. So it's still very uh, healing and painful, but it's fine. Yeah. We appreciate you fighting through that adversity um, because we love visual stuff on the show. Can you tell our audience just what the tattoo is? Um, it is a lantern with a ghost coming out of it, surrounded by some roses. And um, it's a pun. I don't usually like puns, but uh, <laughs> it's a ghost light. And that's because I am a theater professional. And uh, if you work in the theater community, you know that ghost lights are important. They're like these little lamps that we put out at the end of the night um, when the theater is dark for safety reasons and also for uh, superstitious ghost reasons. So, Ooh, mm. ghosts. Ghosts and goblins. Goblins, goblins and ghosts. ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you guys are on the same page. That <laughs> 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 went right over my head. Okay, so... Any updates with you, Ben? Anything new in your life? Um, not, not too much. Okay, cool. Awesome. Uh, well, that's all right. We can go kind of straight into it. I can do this last time on, and then we can... Oh, oh actually, so, so here is something that's maybe sort of relevant, which, um, you know, as people might know, Alex and Brian both live in the Nova area, and uh, I'll be coming up for a couple of days. <gasps> There's Whoa. possibility of a special in-person episode. Whoa! Virus be damned. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, and uh, uh, in the chat, I put a link to the dubbed version, the English version, Tanya. If you'd prefer the subbed, I think Ben watches the subbed. No, it was just really funny because I opened the link as soon as Ben was like, virus be damned. And my computer was like, yeah, virus be damned on this goddamn website. Like, what? <laughs> Do you sure you want to go? There's here? so many pop-ups. Do you have like Crunchyroll or an ad blocker? My, my ad blocker on the site I'm using is at 180 right now. And it just ticked up from 175 to 180. So I think it just keeps trying like new pop-ups. Oh yeah, 185. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to like, 
I just want to talk about this one advertisement that's on my page right now, and it mm-hmm. is uh, for Ben Franklin plumbing, and it is an actor dressed as Ben Franklin holding a wrench standing over a Thanksgiving dinner. Um, <laughs> and it says, don't let the plumbing emergency spoil your holiday, but, like, Ben Franklin looks kind of menacing. Like, he's the one that broke the plumbing, and he's like, this is what happens when you don't make the turkey the national bird like I wanted. Mm. Um, I thought you were going to say he beat the turkey to death himself. That That's a story we can go with as well, but I just think that that's a, that's a good ad. Yeah, maybe I should take my ad blocker off. <laughs> Who'd you miss it? In the best ads. Last time on Invasion of the Spirit Snatchers, Verm absorbed the soul of every adult on Earth, then unleashed wave after wave of generic purple bad guys. Hero and the Klaxo Queen enjoyed their own mini bottle episode, going so far as to understand each other while waiting for Zero Two's inevitable return. Squad 13 didn't know who their enemies were, but remembered who their friends were, abandoning orders and returning to the Grand Crevasse to play escort service for Zero Two and Dr. Franks. Zero Two passed through the gates to the underworld, losing companions both old and new at every doorway. After passing through one more Yannick opening, Zero Two reenacted one of the oldest human stories. She was Mary, Persephone, Ishtar, and Inanna ascending the throne of the underworld and becoming one with her shadow self sister, Zero Zero One. Star Entity, the super ultra giant mega mech, achieved its actualized form and made short work of the remaining Verm Vaders. But the transformation left Zero-Two's physical form in a catatonic state. Will Zero-Two reunite with her darling on the other side of this dark tunnel? How will the Nines handle the trauma of losing two teammates? What the fuck happened to Nana? Let's find out. All right. Three, two, one, play. No one can swim in the same river water twice. That's an old saying Hito told me about. Everything changes. All things eventually pass, and nothing remains stagnant. Yes, like a river. That is the nature of our world. Lately, I often recall these words, and the fact that no one can halt the flow in this world without Papa, where we don't need to pilot the Franks. Not anymore. Say ah. Come on, Zero Two. Open your mouth. Please. Hey. Hey. Where are you guys going? We're taking you to find Zero Two and bring her back. But we're not just doing this for you, you hear me? If we don't go up there and kick those guys' ass, yeah, <laughs> I understood all of that. I know, I know. You are really, really good at this. Yeah, totally blind, Tanya. They call you because of your ability to go into a show blind. Yeah, yeah. not because of the glasses. <laughs> not because of my actual visual impairment, but because of my <laughs> ability to not watch any episode of a show and come in at almost the last episode and be like yeah no i got it yeah total coincidence um i really have to pee so i'm gonna run and do that and grab another drink uh, if anybody wants to do anything yeah can you get me a drink while you're up? yeah absolutely Thanks. do you want another coffee yeah that'd be great thank you i was trying to remember tanya you're based somewhere like mid northern california yeah i'm san jose bay area san jose. yeah it's okay out here you know it's yeah. not bad it's just expensive <laughs> did the uh did the theater open up briefly or have you guys found a way to do some performances um, yeah some places are open right now and trying to do performances but like a lot of them have had to close like a night or two or some have had to close early not everyone is able to get through a full run without someone in the cast coming down with covid so yeah. people are trying they're definitely trying it's just still very touch and go yeah yeah but we're gonna we're gonna charge forward as a society, regardless. Yeah, we're my show is happening in June, regardless. I don't care anymore. Yeah, people can die. Virus be damned. <laughs> <laughs> the theme of the episode. Yeah. <sighs> so any any initial thoughts, Tanya? Any uh yeah, I really a lot has changed. I really wish that you would have told me 
that this episode was essentially a drinking game for any time they said that goddamn phrase about the river water. No one can swim in the same river <laughs> they water They say twice. it at the very least three times. I want to say it's closer to five. And so yeah, I, I could probably be pretty buzzed right now had I known that knowledge. Are you not buzzed right now? I'm high on life, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Uh, but yeah, it seems like a few things have changed since I was last on. Uh, everyone just seems real sad. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. This is the sad episode. Mm-hmm. Is he like, oh, no, we've won, but at what cost? Yeah, well, I, I had no idea that they had won. So thank you for letting me know that. <laughs> yeah, so a lot happened. Uh, you might have heard the word verm. Uh, yeah. So we learned a couple of episodes ago that the bad guys, the patriarchy people, they're aliens okay and there has been a war between dinosaurs and those aliens right that makes sense yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. and we pushed them well not we i mean i didn't do it but uh Alex, they were sure? pushed off the planet yeah the aliens were pushed off the planet mm-hmm. so the aliens mm-hmm. who were not from their planet from the planet we were like you mm-hmm. have to get out you gotta get out but but, but then at the end of of this episode we learned they are still fighting in outer space yes they were pushed off the planet but the verm main force is not gone they are still in space so who are they fighting the claxosaurs the blue people yeah okay yeah they're dinosaurs okay right so the dinosaurs are the dinosaurs now up in space fighting yes (laughs) how the dinosaurs get to space so throughout this episode, we saw, or maybe it was the last episode, we saw there were rocket launches. Yeah. Uh, those are the dinosaurs going into space. And the queen is dead? The queen, yes. The queen kind of, uh, uh, zero, zero, 001 kind of merged with zero, 02, kind of let herself die and gave all mm. of her strength, whatever. Like symbolically, they... Zero two became complete. She became her apotheosis. And so zero two is leading the dinosaurs in the space battle. Yes, exactly. Gotcha. You got it. Are these okay? I feel like these aren't dinosaurs. I feel like these are lizard people. <laughs> well, they okay. So they are. So there's Claxus sapiens, yeah. and they're the predecessors to. Because when you were time. like, they're dinosaurs. I'm thinking about like Jurassic Park well, T Rexer over here, like the- fucking piloting a spacecraft. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Well, no, the Claxosapiens, the lizard people, become the T-Rexes. Yeah. They become the bio-robotic mecha things and, that we've been And fighting. confusingly, the aliens that blended with the humans and have been manipulating human society and running them down the wrong path, they weren't the lizard people. They were actually disembodied energy masks <laughs> or something. They're, they're more like the Borg Yes. Well, everybody knows that lizard people run the government. So I don't understand like what you're trying to tell. Well, no, that's the (laughs) twist is that they don't run the government. It's aliens running the government. The lizard people are actually technically on our side. I mean, not on our side, but the planet. Yeah. Yeah. They were the first people on the planet. They're um, like uh, little, little Godzilla's protecting us. Not the monster after all. Yes, exactly. But they, but they, but they have, okay. But like, the thing is even still with that, like there's some, to me, I'm still pulling up like animalistic imagery, but like they have like cognitive thought in like their higher. Some of them, they changed into machines of war in order to fight this war. So were they, are they the half dinosaurs, half machines from horizon zero dawn now? Is that what we're talking? Exactly. Yep. Same, same basic universe, but uh, in horizon zero dawn, they have not developed oh i guess horizon zero dawn could happen after this because they've lost mech technology but there's still some mech dinosaurs running around anyways so a lot to catch up with you did very well yeah yeah now now that we're all caught up and everything makes total sense (laughs) uh so so we started this episode Mm -hmm. the parasites were out kind of tilling these new fields um, and then we see the fate of Zero Two. So the last episode, we had this cliffhanger. She wasn't moving, mm-hmm. still not really moving. Um, she's got these mysterious cuts that we learn just kind of like spontaneously mm-hmm. appear out of on her out of nowhere, which now I'm guessing it's like her Strelitzia getting hit or something like that. It's like that her body is somehow linked with this ship. It's her battle scars. Got some battle scars, dude. Mm-hmm. But but twist, her blood is red now. It's not blue anymore. Ooh. 
She turned a new human. Yeah. She like transmogrified or whatever the word is. Transubstantiated. Hmm. Does her her dude partner have horns now? Because he did not have horns last time I saw him. Yes, he developed horns. It's the best. He has blue horns to match her red horns. So she's almost fully human now. Mm-hmm. But he's not anymore because he has horns now. Mm-hmm. They both became more like each other. Yeah, but did they go too far in each direction? Only time will tell. No, they're fine. Don't worry about it. They just have to get together again. Okay, all right. And we learn that their physical proximity is not the most important thing in the relationship. It is their connection. Anyways, so the the kids out in their field doing this farming and... Zero Two's got like this stigmata thing and now we know she's like sacrificing like suffering out in space so I can't help but feel there's this like uh, messiah imagery going on hmm. why uh, why are the kids dressed in two separate outfits so half of the kids are dressed in like hospital gowns even out in the field oh, or oh, even yeah. at the table they're dressed in like hospital gowns scrub outfits and half the kids are still in the uniforms uh, people are going through rounds of like uh, fevers mm. and it's COVID. Got it. <laughs> it's making its rounds. Um, Ikuno, the formerly purple haired girl. Right. She did something last episode where like she really exerted herself in the Franks and all of her hair turned gray. So like mm. people are not doing well. Right. 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 Okay. So speaking of being at the table to eat, they're still eating these rations. They have a, a year's supply of food. Which is really funny because my very first note, because like the show opens with sort of a montage, I guess, of us like, mm-hmm. guy, and I, like one of the first scenes is like they're in the cafe and like this girl like scoops like three beans onto like the cafe tray and me not knowing that we were in ration times i was like what are these portions (laughs) (laughs) okay thank you cafeteria lady for my three beans i appreciate it you didn't notice the old gym mats there's very little meat in these gym mats hope you grow up big and strong right but then literally my next note was ah okay rations got it (laughs) And, and so this was kind of like the dream, right? So they um, they had this brief period where they were, mm. I guess that was back when they were at Mistletane, right? And the, the adults left for a bit and they kind of played adults and caught some fish and like cooked a meal and they discovered the, you know, their kind of self-sufficiency and like how rewarding that was. But then now it's like the real deal and it is not so easy um, as we learn kind of throughout the episode, that's maybe because um, society has used so much magma that they've somehow kind of like sapped the the life force from the soil. And so things aren't growing properly anymore. Yeah. God, I really loved the... So the last episode and then during this episode, the Klaxosaur ships have been uh, taking off. And they, as we learn, are kind of like the guardian beasts of like the Earth. And so, yeah, I guess we've used up the magma energy. That's true. But I also felt like, you know, like just the spirit is leaving. So like nothing Mm. can uh, sustain without that. Oh, yeah. See, uh, me not knowing that we had like dinosaur earth spirits that had left the earth. I was like, oh, weird. Fracking fucked up the world. (laughs) That's crazy. Who would have thought? Who would have guessed? Yeah, I guess I was kind of seeing it more that way, that this is kind of like the continuing, yeah, like climate change metaphor or something, right? And and that kind of goes back to this phrase that's repeated throughout it, you know, no one can same can swim in the same river water twice, kind of uh, you know, time mm-hmm. flows forward in one direction, or you know, the phrase it made me think of is, you know, you can never truly go back home, right? Because mm-hmm. um, home and your your world is is constantly changing. Mm-hmm. Lessons to live by. So I think that definitely applies to this situation. It probably applies somehow to the hero zero two situation too. Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, it, it tracks like pretty neatly. Uh, you know, like Zero Two's body is here, but that's not where you know her body is home. But that means that Hero is not home. Hero's home is wherever Zero Two is. That's what he's decided. He really likes that Edward Sharp and the Electric Zeros song. Home is wherever I'm with you. It's like his favorite jam. Listens to it on repeat. <laughs> it's the only thing on his iPod. Do people still have iPods? You can still buy iPod touches. I think a lot of parents get them for kids because they don't want them to have right. an iPhone necessarily, but they mm, want them to have right. like, iPods. And do you have to buy yeah. songs? Ugh. 
well you can have a, <laughs> you can also have an apple music subscription for like families so like the kids don't have to but yeah and i'm sure you can put apps on it just like an iphone right yeah. it just doesn't have just cell access and pump, stuff yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. anyways kokoro is still experiencing morning sickness don't know if you realize this, but Kogoro's uh, uh, pregnant. Uh, I don't know if you gauge by the reaction of, um, oh, that one boy, Mitsuru, but uh, he's the father. Uh, they got it on. They had a wedding ceremony even. And then Ape fucking took away their memories. Nice. Yeah. So I had like two notes about that. Because first of all, the doctor was like, the results are in. And I don't know if you've seen the movie The Room. But it was delivered very similarly to the mom where she's like, I got the results of the test back. I definitely have breast cancer and I'm dying. (laughs) It's like, okay, calm down. Uh, And then again, because I don't know anything that happened. The last time I watched this show, we were basically piloting these ships like we were having sex. And I was like, oh, someone Mm -hmm. got pregnant. Fucking surprise. (laughs) No, but they literally had sex. No, I know. But like, it was just like one of these things where I was like, that's shocking. Okay. All right. But I did not realize <laughs> that uh, they had had their memories wiped because I was like, why is this like dude freaking out about this? <laughs> Calm down. Yeah. Because um, even though they don't remember their relationship with each other, they're still partners. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't connect this before, but um, it's kind of reminding me of the love story part of 1984. Oh. You know, 1984, similar. I mean, I guess it's like, kind of bad communism dictatorship metaphor. But one of the things is they decide that like, you know, they don't want individuals being able to get pleasure on their own. So they try to like decouple sex and love from relationships and making relationships Mm. purely utilitarian. And then kind of as soon as uh, Mitsuru and, and Kokoro, like, you know, find love for one another and have sex for the first time, then Apes like, nope, <laughs> we're not doing this. We are getting rid of these memories. Yeah, it was so nice of them to get rid of the memories, but not the baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I mean, while you're in there wiping things, like, okay, fine, I guess, just leave that for some well, emotional scarring. Now the new Nana is offering those services. You know, the removal of the fetus is one of the possible treatments used. Yeah, yeah that's and true. She, no questions asked. She I don't know this has happened before. This isn't the first time. Mm-hmm. But I also, I also, you know. As a lady, I also was just like, she was like, no, I'm not. This is a lie. This is all sham in the smokescreen. Um, when she was like, yeah, you can't be a pilot and be pregnant. I was like, okay, well, fuck you. Women can do whatever they want, but all right. Thank you. Well, hold on. You don't want a pregnant person piloting a jet craft. In real life or in this world? Both. What? Are you kidding me? You do not want. It's. I'm not talking about like. Uh, uh, airliner i'm talking about a fighter jet like you are going to harm that pregnancy with the g's and we should probably just not let women pilot jets just in case period especially (laughs) especially when they're on like their menstrual cycle (laughs) yeah because it's gonna it'll attract bears not scientifically accurate (laughs) okay all right can't have them out Um, in the desert getting sand though Yeah, what? like, what is that? What is that from? Do you remember what I'm talking about, Alex? <laughs> I think it was some, like, SNL uh, Dick Cheney, like, thing. I don't know. Does this ring any bells? Yes. No. Great. You Well, I mean, you can you can definitely drop the Ron Burgundy. I read somewhere that their periods attract bears. The bears can smell the menstruation. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> uh, so... Kokura is pregnant, mm-hmm. you know, zero to, you know, her body's there, but, you know, she's completely vacant. There's something that felt a little bit like postpartum depression-y about it. I think it's just that being like back to back with the pregnancy stuff, but oh. it's almost like she's gone through this whole thing. Like we've talked about these kind of like cycles of like death and birth and we kind of like got through this thing gave birth to this new world that we're now living in, but she is not there. Right. Absolutely. And like, she has symbolically, like even star entity was referred to by the Klaxosaur princess as our child. Mm. And she's gone through this death and rebirth cycle, but 
her mythological predecessors that we went over last episode, they're like these powerful goddesses, but they are specifically not mothers, even though they are like representations of fertility and sexuality. Um, And so she's had this rebirth, but she doesn't have the child. She becomes the new child, right? Mm And, and I, so I guess in this point of the episode, then we we get to the part where Hachi returns on this weird spaceship with the the real Nana, who's now in a wheelchair. We still don't know what <gasps> happened to her, right? Like it was still she just disappeared one episode and was replaced. Yeah, she just had a freak out and they just like took her somewhere and <laughs> left her there for a while. And now she's back. Um, and, you know, she refers to something about like, you know, why did you bring me here? I'm like useless now. I'm not needed. Um, and then finds out that I guess Dr. Franks had some plan all along. These uh, kind of pruned pilots who we thought were getting killed off or something like mm-hmm. that have actually been put into stasis or something seemingly for this moment and that now Nana and Hachi are going to kind of become the stand-in parents for kind of not only squad 16, but, but all these other prune children. Yeah. I think that's what we're uh, meant to read into it. Um, I mean, obviously that is the case. They're taking on this role because they seem to be the only adults or thing like adults still around. And it does track onto a uh, Norse mythology thing. So in Ragnarok, Twilight of the Gods, like all the gods die except for a handful to be part of the new world that happens after the hmm. uh, apocalypse, right? But specifically, two humans survive it. And I think that Hachi and Nana kind of take on the role of those two humans who preserve some of the what do you call it? Like ways of humanity, like the cultural legacy um, so that that can survive uh, the end of the world. So so are they like kind of like the Norse Adam and Eve or something? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't love this like, oh, all the pilots we thought were dead. They're secretly okay. You're like, okay, great. Awesome. Thank you. Like, it just seems like disnifying the end of something that you like killed off a bunch of characters and you're like, ah, just kidding. (laughs) But I do like symbolically. uh, So we talked about the, um, the soil is eroding or like the, the soil won't support life and mistletane, as we talked about in the golden bow before um, mistletoe was seen as in winter as this, like where the world was hiding away its vitality because it would remain green on the trees. Right. And so mistletane literally may have this soil that they need Mm. to return to the ground to grow proper crops. But at the same time, these children who we thought were gone, the hope of the world, a new generation, like they are also returned to us, right? So it's a downer episode, but there's a lot of hope in there. Yeah, Yeah. except for mistletoe is poisonous. So that's going to be real fun when they get up there and they're like, oh, everything is poison. Great. Love it. Well, yeah, I guess at around this point, you know, before they found out the thing about mistletane, everything was really looking down. Mm-hmm. Ichigo kind of collapses. You know, mm-hmm. Goro has this plan for how to maybe save them, but Hiro gets distracted by seeing Zero Two out in this like it's like the world's creepiest courtyard. I don't know w- what this building they're <laughs> at is, but it's like everything. No, that's a pretty standard hospital courtyard. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's got these awesome, weird, like metal. They almost look like trees, right? But they're like poles sticking out of the ground that branch like those ornamental swords. There's like one that is like a national treasure of Japan. Mm -hmm. But we've seen this thing before in the background. I don't know in what episode. And I thought I remembered the lighting being much lighter and the trees almost looked like they were glowing. And so I wonder if it's supposed to represent like we are in our twilight hour. And so they weren't as lit up and the whole courtyard was a lot darker. Mm. Well, and, but then there's this like tower that's like curved like a scimitar blade or something like that. Yeah. What the fuck was that thing? Like this is the massive building they're inhabiting now. And I wanted to ask you to because I couldn't think of any symbolism to it, except that it may be. It looked like a bowl of fruit, <laughs> like the giant horn being like the banana. Hmm. Well, I don't know. But for some reason, Zero Two is staring up at that or, you know, maybe staring up at the the space battle above it or something. But I was like, man, I like maybe humanity should just join Verm. Like, uh, I don't know. Things are looking pretty bad. Mm-hmm. 
Honestly, like when it started raining, I was like, oh, is this rain going to be acid? Like I was as like, because like every time anything new happened, they were like, this is the worst thing to ever happen. And then it started raining. And I was like, acid rain, maybe great. But hey, they got a reprieve. It wasn't acid. So silver lining. So so when Hero and Zero Two had been talking about the story before, she had kind of hesitated about the ending, right? Um, and that was kind of right before they went into this final battle. Then, um, you know, when Hero brings Zero Two back up to her her room so she can rest again, she finds the book that she's been like re redrawing and, you know, that she has gotten to this ending um, where the, the is a demon or what was it in the story? Is it a oh, the beast princess? Yeah. So the, the, the beast princess has turned into a bird and, and has to fly up into outer space. I guess that's. The story connection that that makes Hero realize that that she's up in outer space. Yeah, and then he, uh, I I think it's so cute. He like touches her horns with his horns, and like they have their little mental connection, like Klaxosaur telek- or uh, telepathy. Oh yeah, so that's what it is. I guess it's right after the storybook thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but like this like made me think of Breath of the Wild. Because you've got mm. Zelda like trapped in this castle, just constantly fighting for like a hundred years. Um, mm-hmm. And Link is just somewhere else. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, oh, right. She's still in there. Gotta go. She's fighting. Gotta go help her. BRB. Yeah, I'll be there when I'm strong enough. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. I got a lot of frogs to collect. I'll, I'll be there eventually. Don't worry. <laughs> so uh, I think Goro and Hachi brainstorm and they decide that uh, maybe Mistletane soil, they get like a satellite shot and they see that stuff is growing in Mistletane still. So they're like, oh, okay, we'll just, you know, bring that soil down. Should be easy as pie. That's how it works. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, And Hero has decided that he wants to go to space. And so he calls a group meeting like they have done many, many times. Great communication in this group. They've learned a lot. And... He explains what is going on, and Tanya made a great face at this point. And she's like, Yeah, this might as well be what's happening. And Goro had a great line of, My brain can't keep up. <laughs> yeah. Same, bro. Same. Just accept it. Well, but I, I do kind of like that the, this show does this that, like, when it gets kind of absurd, they at least have characters acknowledge that it's like kind of <laughs> absurd rather than just everyone be like, Oh, yeah, Love yeah, it. her mind's in the ship in space. <laughs> Yeah, we need to save her. Sure. Like, I, I do think that that, that is something they do kind of to, I don't know, keep the characters feeling more realistic despite the story being very out there. Yeah, and we got another a flashback, little glimpse, uh, maybe our last shot, I don't know, of uh, 001, our Klaxosaur queen, princess, monarch thing. Probably the, the first and last time you'll see her, Tanya. Grace, love it. That was the last Klaxo sapien. So like they were dinosaur people and they looked like her, but most of them became the monsters. And she's the only one who kept that form. Don't we all become monsters in the end? Well, one hopes. <laughs> well, and, and sorry, what, what happens in the flashback? What does he remember exactly? Uh, she just says she puts forth like a challenge. It's as she's giving like her energy to Zero Two and Hero so that they can fight on the challenge is like will you you know like step up for your own survival will you fight will you you know what is it it's fucking to be or not to be like is it nobler to suffer the slings and arrows or to oppose them like what what do you fucking want to do yeah at least he didn't at least he didn't pull a hamlet and take three acts to figure out what he was actually going to do. Yeah. Well, it is a lot easier if Ophelia is bleeding in front of you and her consciousness is in space. I mean, you say that, but Ophelia like fucking drowned and like, wait, hold on. Are you saying that there's a strong Shakespearean reading of darling in the Franks that like we can map Hamlet onto this? Maybe. I mean, I would be hard pressed not to find a story that you could map some sort of Shakespeare onto. Okay. All right. And that's well, not and that's not saying that like everything is derivative of Shakespeare. That's just saying like one, he wrote a lot, and two, it's all got universal themes. We're we're gonna put this on the the poster, Darling in the Franks. It's basically Shakespeare, <laughs> says Tanya. <laughs> yeah. Theater that's professional. Exactly. 
I mean, I work for a Shakespeare company, so I have that authority. <laughs> Tanya, she works for a Shakespeare company. Shakespeare theater professional. This is amazing. So Hero's going to go, and this is when Goro gets mad at him, finally, right? Once before, he had talked to him in right before it rained. And he was like, hey, we got to figure this out together. But Hero just, you know, he wasn't there. Right. He's he's looking for zero two at the time. So literally, like he just didn't have any capacity to talk to Goro. And now Goro's like, well, fucking man, I've been your best friend forever. Like that should count for something. You have to, I don't know, reckon with me with this. And he has some of that language where he's like, you're not thinking about how anyone feels. Like, what about the rest of us? And you're like, you're not thinking about how I feel. Come on, say it, Goro. Oh. Like, you're really pissed. So, like, I, I again, didn't, I don't know that they were best friends forever. Like, But I really love that, like, Hero's like, I have to go save the woman I love. And literally, mm-hmm. What's-His-Face is like, you don't think of anyone else. <laughs> what did I just say? I'm going to go save someone else. Okay, no, you're right. I'm selfish. I don't think of anyone. You're right. Yeah. And that's kind of where Hero is, right? He's like, I don't really have any words for you. He just stays calm through the whole thing, even though Goro is like freaking out. This is very typical Hero, though. I mean, main main character syndrome or whatever. It is always about Hero and Zero, too. And all these other people just got to keep helping them get back together. And it's like... It's weird. It's like they're the protagonist. Who's going to grow the food for her to eat <laughs> once she's back, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's where he, when he asserts himself, uh, Hero, his horns blow, right? And that's the first time everyone notices. They're like, oh, fuck. What? Where did those come from? God damn it. All right. Well, obviously you got to go into space with horns like that. With horns like that. How could we keep you here on Earth? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. He's not meant for a normal life. He's meant for the stars, you know, a life of glamour. I guess that building is kind of like a horn, the uh, curved building. Okay. And we did just lose uh, 001 who had the single horn. Oh, we also lost Franks. Franks is dead. Hmm. And he had the one metal horn, too. Mm, the show is really horny. Oh my gosh, the horniest. So, so after the the big fight, you know, we have the other characters kind of sitting around outside discussing stuff. So, uh, Ikuno, Miku, Miku, Futoshi, and Zorome, they're they're kind of like I think it's Miku who is you know wondering if they'll ever kind of find that meaning that Hiro has clearly found where they'll want to, you know, be willing to sacrifice everything and, and care about something that much. And we also get uh, Ichigo and Goro having a heart to heart. You know, it sounds like Ichigo is going to kind of thank Goro for standing up for them and like speaking what was on everyone's mind. But then Goro admitting that he was just Mm -hmm. being selfish and uh, you know, that he kind of, um, uses the group and kind of the group's needs as a way of trying to to high road hero when really kind of it's about his own needs and his own feeling of abandonment by hero. Yeah, just maintaining his role as as best bro. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's great because he was like, this outburst was kind of about me, and she was just like, yeah, <laughs> no, we know. Where we all know what's happening. <laughs> Read you like a book. Yeah, that quick scene with um, Ikuno, Miku, Futoshi, and Zorame, I thought was really cute uh, because obviously this the focus is not on them. Fucking Ichigo and Goro are by the wayside. Everyone's going by the wayside, right? This is fucking Hero and Zero Two show. We got to end this shit with them. But Miku says the thing about, I wonder if we'll ever find, you know, someone to risk everything for and to have that one driving goal. And like, Zorame doesn't even pipe up, which I think is very funny. But then Futoshi and Ikuno, obviously. So I don't know if you picked up Ikuno's gay, Tanya. And she was Mitsuru's partner. Mitsuru's bisexual, um, was uh, attracted to Hiro when he was younger and then became partners with Kokoro and formed an attraction to her too. And uh, Ikuno says in response to Miku's query, like, it's different for each person you know like everyone finds something not even necessarily someone but something to keep going for a focus for their life and then the shot shifts to following a following shot of ichigo going to 
uh, talk to Goro. So it's like mm. uh, uh, structurally uh, reminding us uh, how much she values Ichigo, how how she is in love with her, which is very sad. Anyways, yeah, and then they have the scene together, the heart to heart, and then we get Nana. Her wheelchair will not fit inside the children's hospital ward, and so has she been faking it, or she's she's just got weak legs? She can walk, right? It's just a yeah. real hassle for her. Yeah, I think she's just like because it doesn't look like she's been faking it because like the first few steps that she took were like really shaky and like if okay because like the child was crying and had her back to her, and so like if she was faking it, she probably just would have jumped up really quickly when no one was looking. But like she like right of course like she okay struggled to get out. I mean maybe she's really committed to the bit, maybe, but like. I think that it's I think it's just she's got weak legs and yeah. probably tires easily. And and mm. and I think maybe now she, you know, she's finding her purpose again that she had lost this strength. this purpose in life. She felt useless and like like every woman woman children are are her purpose. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, like, it'll make any woman walk when you see a child cry, like, no matter what's happening. I mean, her name is Nana, so (laughs) maybe not every woman, but specifically this one. okay. It's her fate. Be careful what you name your children. You you mentioned the kind of, like, Disney-fied part of, of seeing that all these kids weren't dead, they were in stasis. I guess I guess now is not the time mm-hmm. to free them. We haven't seen those kids yet. They're still in their pods or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not be too hasty. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't have food to feed the ones that are awake. So yeah, let's keep them in <laughs> stasis true. for a little that's bit. True. Because like, what are we going to do with 15 more kids running around? Oh, that's smart. Yeah. We're like, they don't know how to plant. We barely know how to plant. I mean, so let's like, get that down first. Honestly, like, just put some more of them in stasis. Smart. <laughs> yeah, start grinding them up when food runs. No. Soylent greens, children. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but so I did feel like that the ending gets, you know, like the music comes in and, you know, it's like everyone's on the same page now and everyone's going to go support Hero. Even the nines, you know, except Kokoro, because again, as a woman, kids more important than space battles. Right. Pregnant. It's dangerous. Okay. (laughs) It's fine. This is the first biological baby to be born in the human race for 100 years. So it is the hope of the world in a sense. Don't put that on that girl. Um, I did. I did have note of this is a quick fucking turnaround when when we just walk out and everybody's like all right we'll go to space with you and i was like we were all just crying in a field like two minutes ago <laughs> oh my god we only have two episodes left okay we have yeah. to, we have to hand wave we... this and everybody is suddenly ready to go to space yes i just hope it's not two episodes of giant epic space battle that ends with hero and zero two's love like conquering all and killing verb once and for all and then they come back and the fields grow now (laughs) yeah there's gonna be like a space battle and they're gonna find each other in the middle of it and like have this like really passionate kiss in the middle of the battle when people are dying around them and then suddenly everything's gonna be okay yeah dry hump the energy to maximum power Okay, that might happen. Um, (laughs) The kiss thing does not happen. I'm sorry to disappoint you. Actually, I'm not disappointed. I am grateful. So so at times this um, feels like it's like pulling from from Ender's game. Mm. So the Ender's game ending would be maybe they defeat Verm and then Mm. Zero Two is dead. But there's like this like um, there's a Klaxosaur like egg or something like that. And Zero Two is like, this is our child hero. Uh, You need to take it to a new planet and, you know, start use your love for me to raise this egg. Yeah. A Klaxo regenesis. I, I, I do think it's going to be something a hero hero can't come back to the earth with everyone else. But I wonder if he's not going to die, but he's going to mm. go off into space. That's my, my prediction as of now. Strong prediction. Any more predictions, Tanya? What, what would happen if this was Hamlet? Everybody would die. <laughs> everyone is dead except for Nana, who's down on the earth going, well, that's the story, kids. That's how we ended up in this dystopian wasteland. And I hope you learned something. And that's, that's the end of that. (laughs) (laughs) 
everyone dies in battle. Well, they have that. They have the backup kids, you know. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. There's a whole group that comes in at the end of Hamlet. Everyone dies, and then someone else comes in, and they're like, "Oh my God, what happened here?" And you're like, "Well, yeah, of course, there's other people still around. <laughs> they're just from a different castle." Yeah. <laughs> Your Claxus or princess is in another castle. Oh no! Sorry. There's always one survivor to tell the story. That's all you need. And uh, what, what's her name? Can have twins, a baby boy and a baby girl, and name them Ram, Yulon, and. Rimla. And then uh, this, the spot that became Tokyo. <laughs> I love it. This is actually a prequel to uh, Neon Genesis. <laughs> um, yeah, Tanya, any any predictions, any takes on the episode, anything we didn't cover, any questions you have? No, I think we got all my questions out of the way at the beginning. Right. Yeah. And I don't really have a lot of predictions because I don't know that enough, but you know, some people are going to die, but not a lot of people, not enough people are going to die for my taste. <laughs> you know, like 99.9% of the human population. Yeah, that's, that's not enough. I mean, what? We still got 10 kids left. Come on now. Right. You are a true crime enthusiast. So I guess you're super into murder. So into murder. Uh, I don't know. I don't really have enough knowledge to have a prediction. Really? Here, okay. Here's what I kind of hope doesn't happen, but I'm afraid it's going to happen, which is that like Miku and Futoshi will die. So like basically the characters that aren't paired off will die. And then the characters that are paired off will get to have their like happy relationships at the end. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they're all going into space. We hope there's more character development and plot and less space battles. But uh, uh, we eagerly await what what's coming at us yeah. next week. They actually just get up there and there's not even a battle going on. It's actually just like a house party. <laughs> They do already have color-coordinated light-up bodies, so a rave is not out of the question. Um, All all the growing stuff in this episode reminded me, um, Alex, do you have a pen-pen-pod, pee-pod update? Oh, my gosh. No, I... I, Oh, well, I mean, technically. So I did these um, uh, movie showings with a projector at my house for Halloween, and so in order to do so, to do it outside safely because of COVID... I had to mow the garden. So there are no more pee pods. <laughs> so it is gone. Mm. It's because of fracking. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever do that again? Yeah, probably in California when I move there. <laughs> yeah. um, sunny California where you can grow the whole year round. So, yeah. That's the real exactly mistletane. <laughs> um, what about you, Ben? Do you have a, uh, a Pen Pen Pals podcast update? Do you have something you're listening to or working on? I did listen to something that might be of interest. It's a podcast I used to listen to back when there weren't nearly as many podcasts, which is the um, the New Yorker Fiction Podcast. I guess it's like a monthly thing where one author reads another author's story and maybe of interest mm. just in the uh, general, for people who are general purpose weebs, they had... Um, Someone reading this Haruki Murakami story, Confessions of a Shinagawa Monkey. And uh, yeah, just listened to that a few days ago. Awesome title. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Shinagawa Monkey? Mm -hmm. About the troubles of living in a world that won't accept you, where you you can't find love because you're a monkey. Oh, 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 he is a literal monkey. I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but he's... A monkey raised by humans who doesn't have much in common with monkeys, but um, human women, you know, not into it, not into it. Yeah. What about human dudes? Uh, he's, he's only into human women. Strange. Uh, monospecial heterosexual. Got it. I mean, we hope most heterosexuals are monospecial, but that's not the point. Okay. Um... Here at Pem Pem Pals, we don't discriminate. Right. However many species. <laughs> I gotta go. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cover your dog's ears. We don't want him to hear this. Okay, so Tanya, if mm-hmm. anyone listening enjoyed this very out there episode, uh, could you recommend anything to them, whether it is on theme or not? No. No recommendations. I don't have any recommendations. Because this is so outside of the realm of what I normally 
like watch or consume or whatever. So I have no mm-hmm. idea what I would recommend that would even be tangentially related except for <laughs> Hamlet, I guess. Okay. We're going to plug Hamlet. <laughs> plug Hamlet. If somebody's doing Hamlet, go see it. Um, I, I guess if you're looking for a podcast to listen to, you can listen to Shakes Pod. It's the podcast that my Shakespearean company puts on. Uh, over the summer, we did three uh, recordings of three different shows and I directed the Titus Andronicus episode. So you listen to me on this episode, talk how I love when everyone dies at the end, then Titus Andronicus is for you because everyone dies at the end. Um, but then if you like happy things, there's also, uh, I think they did a comedy of errors and then middle ground of the history. We did, I want to say it was Richard the third. Oh, I played Richard the third once. You played Richard. Yeah. They give you a humpback. Yeah, I got a, I got a, I got an award for it. Award-winning Alex. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah, it. absolutely. You were award-winning. Is it the Folger Theater uh, uh, Festival? We're, we're putting that on the poster too. Yeah, featuring award-win, award-winning Shakespearean <laughs> actor. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, every word of that is true. <laughs> All right, pen, pen, house. Darling, darling good. Yeah. <laughs> darling good. <laughs> Where did that good come from? I directed Julius Caesar in college and my Mark Antony was a New Jersey Italian dude. Um, And so I remember distinctly we, he and I had to have like one sit down rehearsal, just the two of us, because he would always drop the G on any ING word. And so it'd be like, he's going, he's doing. And I was like, you can't, it's Shakespeare. You have to, you have to say the G you, it has to be ing. (laughs) We had this entire like rehearsal about it, but like the best part was his entire family came from New Jersey to see him play Mark Antony and like the friends Roman countryman speech is not the end of that scene, but he did it. And his dad stood up in the middle of the scene after he did the, the famous speech and was like, that's my boy. That's my boy. And I was like, he's doing great. Yeah, Joey. And I was like, this is my thesis statement to graduate can you please not ruin this thank you but bye <laughs> are you kidding me he made it the most special <laughs> thing he gave you a middle of performance yeah. standing ovation that's fair. these are unheard of that's fair that's fair yeah. so. back in shakespeare's day that was that's how they did it <laughs> well yeah you had the you had the like groundlings down at the beginning like at the edge of the stage just heckling the shit out of people so like sure <laughs>